It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network here on Lockdown Bengals, covering your team every day. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We appreciate all of you that have subscribed, that have followed, that have put on notifications. And if you like what we're doing, you can join that club and we'll be delivered to your devices as soon as we upload our episodes every day. And you can make us your first listen like so many others do. James, today we're diving into another episode of off-season mailbag work. And there are some themes that seem to emerge every week when we put these out there. And sometimes we just get fun exploratory questions. So we're going to talk about some of the things the Bengals need to do with the offensive line or maybe don't need to do with the offensive line and whether or not what they've done will be enough for us to feel comfortable that they'll be good. We're going to talk about some position battles. Left guard is the obvious one, but there are others that will be interesting to follow. And then we've got a fun question to go back in time and look at what draft pick we could redo to reorient the course of Bengals history to the greatest degree. But we're going to start with a couple of questions regarding the offensive line. First, Cody Lee at Hartzheim Cody asked, does the Alex Kappa injury make the front office think about signing another offensive line depth piece like Quentin Spain? And along those same lines, Bunny at Bunny underscore 91 asked, we keep hearing about the bolstered offensive line, but what are the chances that they suck again? Everyone's presuming <laughs> that they'll be good. And I think these things go hand in hand. James, mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, they could suck again if there's a bunch of injuries, right? Because you're one injury away from, you know, Essentially, you know, Isaiah Prince playing right tackle. You're one injury away from Akeem Adeniji being your right guard. And so that's the part of it where, yeah, that could certainly happen. Uh, with that said, I, I don't think that Alex Kappa's injury is going to necessarily make Duke Tobin go, oh, my gosh, we, we have to go get another veteran. But what it is going to do is it's going to give Frank Pollock, it's going to give this coaching staff, it's going to give this front office – a look and a, a more of a look at Akeem Adeniji at some of these other young guards. And maybe after that evaluation between now and training camp, they say, yeah, we're thinner there than we realize because I think they feel pretty good about their depth. 
uh, across the offensive line from Prince to Adenogy to Carmen to Deontay Smith. I, I think they like the depth pieces they have. Trey Hill, I'll throw him in there. And I'm sure I'm missing one or two, but they like those guys. And so they'll be able to get a closer look at them. I don't think that they're as nervous, say, as, as we are, given how we're conditioned and, and watched Joe Burrow get sacked 70 times last year. At the same time, the path to them being or, or, or sucking again, and I say that in quotes based on the question, would be injuries. Outside of that, there really isn't that path because Lyle Collins is a clear upgrade. Alex Kappa is a clear upgrade. And Ted Karras, I get he's not a pro bowler, but a clear up- upgrade from what Trey Hopkins was last season. So you've gotten better in three spots. Jonah Williams, a lot of people are talking about how Joe Burrow has had a healthy offseason and you know he can work on his game and everything like that. He's not rehabbing that knee. This is Jonah Williams' first offseason, true offseason in the pros where he's been able to just focus on football healthy and hasn't had any type of rehab stuff to go through, at least that I'm aware of, uh, because he played 16 games last year. So uh, I would expect him to take a step forward as well. So this unit, it should be better. How much better? We'll see. I don't know if it's necessarily a top 10 unit, but I I do expect them to be better. And and at the same time, I I don't think that this Kappa injury is going to force their hand. I don't think they're running to the phone to call quit in Spain. Not saying they won't sign him, but I don't think you know something's imminent because Alex Kappa is going to probably miss the rest of the, the offseason program but be ready to go for training camp. Yeah, the expectation is still that he's ready for training camp. If this, if this injury lingers longer than expected and goes into training camp and looks like it could threaten you know, preseason game two, preseason game three, even though I wouldn't expect Kappa to play in preseason game three, then you could see them decide to make a move if it's looking like this is going to be a nagging thing that could last. But there's no real indication that that would be the case. So is there a massive impetus right now for them to go out and get an offensive lineman, another interior piece? I don't think so. And I think I agree with you, James, that they feel better about their depth probably than than some Bengals fans do. But at the same time, it's fair to say, I think, that Deontay Smith and Hakeem Adeniji and Trey Hill and... Isaiah Prince all got valuable experience last year. Even if they were having a hard time on the field, that was their first prolonged exposure for the most part to NFL play. And Mm -hmm. I know it was Akeem Adeniji's second season. He dealt with some injuries and and finally got a chance to get on the field. I know these guys have been working very hard. And you're right that they've also added pieces. So when you talk about the scenario where the offensive line isn't improved, it's pretty hard to imagine, as you said, without major injuries because they've gone from – a middle-of-the-road right tackle. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Riley Reef did a good job for the Bengals until he got hurt. But Isaiah Prince was not great. I know I just talked about his experience being a positive. He's, he's not a starting tackle based on what we saw last year. He struggled against any kind of premier talent that he faced. And so adding Lael Collins to that spot is – it's hard to uh, under overstate. It's hard to overstate how, how significant that difference is. This For is a sure. guy that when he's healthy is one of the better right tackles in football. One of the better tackles in football period and might be the best offensive lineman on the team, depending on what Jonah Williams does. And like you, or, or maybe not like you, but like many, I'm pretty bullish on Jonah Williams this year because mm-hmm. he's he's going into the age where you would see him starting to hit his prime. He turns 25 in November. This is nearing the physical prime, and I think he's got the mental tools at this point, has seen enough of the NFL game that if he is going to take that step, we should see it this year, and I'm pretty optimistic for that. In addition to that, Alex Kaplan and Ted Karras, like you said, 
even if Trey Hopkins was solid at times, especially down the stretch last year, both of these guys are a little bit younger and have a little bit more of a track record in terms of positive trajectory. And to me, there's reason to believe that they'll continue to work in that direction on this team. And so the big question is, it's a weak link system. As we talked about with Eric Eager earlier this week, there is a clear weak link right now at left guard, and we don't know what's going to happen there uh, for a multitude of reasons, I think. But chief among them in a realistic world, who's going to play best in the preseason? Who's going to perform best in training camp practices? These are the questions that the Bengals need to work through and answer. But as we've seen from them for years now, they are more comfortable with the guys they have than we are. And maybe they'll finally be right this year with Mm -hmm. putting together a unit. And if they're not, then man, will it take a while to get the Bengals fans trust that this team knows how to put together an offensive line. Well, they, they need to find one, not four, right? Last year it was, you know, outside of Riley reef, who was switching positions, switching sides and in Jonah Williams, it was like, oh, Trey Hopkins is coming back. And what are they going to do at guard? You're really banking on Quentin Spain and, you know, all of these things. If, 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 if. Well, now it's just one if. And so let's say right. if Jackson Carmen sucks and Deontay Smith doesn't get the a chance at guard, even though I still think that there's a possibility that that happens. And Cordell Volson is a fourth rounder from North Dakota State and plays like a fourth rounder from North Dakota State. Uh, well, as a rookie. Well, then. You know, you, you do have a weak link, and they still should be better than last yeah, year. They still definitely. should be much improved. And, and so that's the part of it is, like, they were so bad. So, like, they could have the 20th best offensive line in the NFL and still be much better than they were last year. Like, their offense couldn't function in the postseason. That wasn't Burrow or Chase or Higgins or Mixon. It wasn't those guys. The offensive line could not hold up, couldn't open up holes, couldn't give Burrow time. And, and so all of those things – uh, should be able to happen now that they've addressed all of these positions. But you're going to have to stay healthy, and 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 so that's what it comes down to. And it's uh, it's cliche, or it's cliche, but it's uh, it's very true when it comes to the Bengals' offensive line, even if they are more confident in the depth than we are. And the handcuffs come off the offense overall a little bit, and and hopefully they don't have to Steven do so much Strat- to protect the offensive line and do different things to try to not expose that weakness on the team. The next question we're going to answer is about training camp battles. We just Mm -hmm. talked about one of them at left guard, but there's more. And despite the starting spots being mostly solidified, I still think they're interesting. We'll talk training camp battles coming up next. Seven step drops. Look for them. I got to tell you about AG one. It's something that I take every single morning and I don't like veggies. Right, I don't go out of my way for vegetables. Uh, growing up wasn't a thing. As an adult, it doesn't become a thing. But AG1 helps get me the vitamins, the nutrients, the superfoods, all of those things that you get, and then some from vegetables. And the best part is you just take a scoop and you put it in eight ounces of water in the morning. You shake it up. You drink it. It tastes great. And boom, just like that, you're getting all the probiotics, all of the good stuff that comes with Athletic Greens AG1. I take it every morning because it gives me extra energy. It's something I look forward to. I take it before I eat breakfast or have my built bar or anything like that, and it gives me a, a little extra oomph. And it, to me, it's a really easy way 
to be healthier and improve your lifestyle. So you, you should try it and you should check it out right now at athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. It's going to boost your immune system. It's going to help you feel better. It's going to give you more energy. It's going to help you sleep. Athletic Greens AG1 is awesome. So check them out right now. Athletic Greens is also going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which I just take that little drop tab and uh, drop a, a little dropper, uh, one drop in, in, in every drink. That's it. That's all it takes. You get that vitamin D immune-supporting boost each and every day. Plus, they're going to give you five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to get healthier today. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. James, our next question comes from Greg. Greg Luther. I know he's been listening to the podcast, sending us questions for a long time. Shout out, Greg. He's got a good one today at Gregor09 on Twitter. He wants to know what the biggest position battle that you're looking forward to seeing <laughs> in training camp is. And maybe it's left guard. If it's left guard, just say so and move on and talk about the next one because we've talked about that one. Yeah, well, I, it obviously is left guard, um, and it should be, but just because of importance. But to me, it's special teams, punter and long snapper. Like, I, I swear, I, I know some people are going to look at it and be like, oh, Darren Simmons just trying to get these old Wiley veterans going again and give them a little push. Nah, man. Like, there is a very real scenario where Clark Harris and Kevin Huber – don't make this final roster. Now, I'm not saying that's the most likely scenario. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But you look at these these kids that they brought in and, uh, you know, Drew Christman last year. There's a reason they kept flirting with him and bringing him on the practice squad and taking him off the practice squad and bringing him back and bringing him back. And he, he's uh, he's got a leg now. And holding goes into that. We've talked about that. So that's going to be one. And, and that's going to continue throughout the preseason. Right. That's the one thing is it's not like these these punters um, are, are going to rest. Oh, no, they're going to be active for all three games and they'll probably alternate punters uh, in the preseason and, and go that route. And then the long snappers, Kyle Adamitis, is he going to be able to push Clark Harris? He's a really good long snapper. Does he have the size? Is he going to be able to pick up all the different protection things that, is, that are necessary for him to earn the trust of Darren Simmons? I think that that is huge i mean think about how big special teams was for this team in the playoffs and in critical moments last year they need to be able to continue that um from a holding standpoint so that plays into position with the, the punter battle and then obviously from a field goal standpoint whoever snap into that holder matters a ton too uh, oh yeah and we're also talking about punts so there's a lot of angles to this and i have a feeling i'm going to be taking i mean i'm already taking video of punters Okay, so I have a feeling that I'm going to be eyeing punters and long snappers a lot more this training camp than I've done in years past. That's a fun one. And I think that fans will really like that one. Fans seem to really like the specialist stuff, as we've seen the last few years, the Matt Areza Hive, Punter 3, by the way. Are you going to uh, downplay the, special teams? Don't do that. Yep. 
And there, there's yep. okay. the the fans of Evan of uh, Evan McPherson, who obviously was fantastic as a rookie, and kickers are more important than these other positions. And it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see what happens with Kevin Huber and Drew Christman, especially with how long Kevin Huber's been on the team. Same for Clark Harris and Cal Adamitis. And and so by all means, enjoy those things. And I'm not going to downplay that. But for me, there's a a couple of interesting battles on the defensive side of the ball that are probably more impactful to the Bengals' chances of winning games. And one of those is Cam Taylor-Britt and and, uh, Eli Apple for cornerback number two. (laughs) And I think that Eli has the leg up going into training camp. I think he and the Bengals probably feel the same way besides the Super Bowl and uh, uh, you know, some, some spotty performances in the playoffs that he had a pretty good conclusion to the season, pretty good second half of the season and the second half of the Bengals 20 games. And so I, I think that Eli Apple, the veteran they brought back on a one-year deal who performed well down the stretch, probably has a bit of a leg up on the rookie from Nebraska who probably has some work to do, but is very athletic. Not to say Eli isn't, but that should be a fun position battle in my opinion. And that's for a potential starting spot. That's potentially the only starting spot on either side of the starting 22 that is up for grabs. Might be. I also am going to be very interested to see how Joseph Osai, Zachary Carter, Cam Sample, and Khaled Kareem all mix in for the, the third or fourth, I should say, pass rusher on pass rushing snaps to go along with Trey Hendrickson, BJ Hill, and probably Sam Hubbard. It'll be really interesting to see if any of them are good enough as pass rushers to get Sam Hubbard off the field. If there's enough guys that they feel like they can protect Sam Hubbard's legs a little bit and let him play a little bit more in base downs or in ambiguous snaps and let some of these younger guys get off after the passer in true pass rushing situations. But that's more of a, a depth thing, more of a rotation thing. So the big one for me that I'm excited for outside of left guard and uh, outside of the fun of the specialist competition is is going to be that cornerback too if Cam Taylor Britt has a real chance to crack this starting roster out of training camp. Yeah, I would be surprised, honestly. I I, I think that he, you know, he'll be CB3 essentially um, just outside backing up both guys and, and that's it, barring something really crazy. Uh, yeah. And that being said, he is a freak and, you know, athletically and he might impress enough to where – it does go that route, and that wouldn't be bad, right? <laughs> Having Eli Apple as your backup outside guy, I just I, I don't necessarily see it happening. And this is you complimented Greg, and, and Greg's my guy. I've met Greg Luther a few times, but this is almost an unfair question, Greg, because we don't have many position battles to talk about. All right, unless we're going to talk about like punt returner, where it's Trent Taylor and a bunch of guys hoping to get something. Like they're Bobby just not many. Lassiter. Yeah. In in by the way, Lassiter of all the the undrafted yeah. has some juice, um, but. That's the point is is where the Bengals are, and that's why – and this is getting into something entirely different. But when people say, oh, they're doubting the Bengals and all this, where's the hole? And, and I just don't really see it. And so, yeah, that's why I'm talking about long snapper and punter, which, hey, that's yeah. a good problem to have. So um, I mean, o- overall, not a ton of position battles to cover, but a couple of them that are going to be interesting. And, and that cornerback one could be, uh, especially early on if Cam Taylor Brick catches on. We, we could also talk about running back too. Chris Evans, Samaji Pira, and your guy, Chris Evans, uh, Captain America, trying to trying to push for RB2. I just don't snaps. think it's a competition. Yeah, I just don't. I, I just think Samaji Pira is RB2. 
Oh, you think he's just RB2? You you think that Chris Evans has no shot? He should. I just, based on what I've seen him, yeah, I just think there's a clear pecking order. You know, like maybe not. Maybe it'll about What about tight end three we could talk about with Scotty Washington and and Thaddeus Moss and Mitchell Wilcox? Like, my God. We're we're, we're digging. But but to your point, uh, you know, the the starting 22, largely set. As coaches have said, barring injuries uh, outside of left guard and specialists, as you've pointed out, and that's why we're talking about those positions. But there are some interesting depth battles, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see who takes steps, not just who wins jobs, but who takes a step. Does Logan Wilson become a Pro Bowler this year? Does mm-hmm. he does he become a, a superstar linebacker, or you know w- where does that next step come from? Does Shadobe Awuzie become? an all pro corner, a pro bowl corner, and he could have been a pro bowl corner last year. So it'll be interesting to see where those steps come from too. That's not exactly camp battle stuff, but that is a big development to watch that will start in training camp. And on a totally separate topic, I like to finish these mailbags, James, with fun questions. And to me, going back in time and redoing a draft pick, while it might be morbid to some people, is fun for me because it gets into fun hypotheticals. So... Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's get our last question of this mailbag in, James. And this comes from Treb at Duterda, another longtime mailbag participant here on Lockdown Bengals. If you could take away any one draft pick of the last 10 years, who would it be? And the way that we both interpreted this question, James, was essentially go back to the last 10 years and redo a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Where are you headed? All right. So I have two. I know you said one. I have two. I have a, a you know a first place, clear cut first place, and then a runner up. First, I'm going to name um, the the first rounders, just the first rounders, just to refresh everybody's memory. 2013 Tyler Eifert, 2014 Darquez Denard, Abuehi, 2015 William Jackson the third, 16 John Ross, 2017 Billy Price, 2018 Jonah Williams, and then Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Dax Hill. Um, first ones first, the chain reaction of the Bengals offensive line falling apart and being, uh, the just awful sight that we've seen over the past couple of years and saw on Super Bowl 56 started with the 2015 draft and it didn't end there. And there was a lot of things that happened and in a lot of things, coaching changes and all of these things, but Andrew Whitworth leaving Cincinnati, that's when it started was when the Bengals took Cedric Abwehi. 21st overall in the 2015 draft. 
and a boy he it was a reach then and they thought oh man he's got sweet fees coming off of injury it's gonna work they're gonna make it work and well bust 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 he's still in the league so so good for him but uh yikes right he did not pan out at all and ultimately andrew whitworth left part of the reason why the Bengals, besides age wanted um to, to or were willing to move on from whitworth and let him leave in free agency was because they had a boy he on the roster and jake fisher on the roster and uh specifically a boy he just a complete whiff worse pick than billy price um w- worse pick than john ross Worst pick than I, I mean any any of these guys that you want to talk about Darquez Denard any of them I mean he is the like to me the like Ross scored a couple touchdowns Billy Price got injured but you know he played multiple positions for it like oh I it just Abuehi was so bad so that's uh, that's the one I'm going with I'll give you my runner up in a second but first what do you have. I just want to compare how many games Cedric Abwehi played for the Bengals to how many games Billy Price played for the Bengals. Billy Price played, he started, let's say, 19 games for the Bengals. He's listed as playing in 42 games, yeah. including a decent amount. 32 in 2000, or 16 in 2019 and 16 in 2020. I can tell you that a lot of those were hardly playing for sure. Cedric Abwehi started 25 games for the Bengals. So Abwehi did start more games for the Bengals. Not that this is necessarily a good thing, but it is an interesting point when you look back at these picks. And for me, when you look at the the Cedric Abwehi pick, you make some good points about the path that sent the Bengals down and the departure of Andrew Whitworth and the beginning of the offensive line woes that we're still experiencing today, seven years later. I'm not sure who the Bengals were supposed to pick there unless they were in on Donovan Smith, if you wanted to say in the offensive line, Byron Jones, uh, the the most successful pick probably of the next 10 picks besides Donovan Smith. So not a great draft class there. Bud Dupree would have been the one that they would have picked probably. And I would have hated that too. I'm just, I I would have hated both of those picks. He's much better than Cedric Abuehi though. Much better. He, he was awful until his last year in Pittsburgh. I'm just, I'm just, but you know what like I mean? He was, he was I'm not saying he's great. Player as, as Cedric Obwehi until his last year in Pittsburgh. But he's turned his career around, so good for him. Uh, for me, I, I can totally get the argument for, for uh, Obwehi. I also could get the argument for Price because Price at the time felt like a panic pick and retrospect looked like a panic pick. Mm-hmm. And you could even in my opinion, make a a very firm argument for Jackson Carmen, who's my runner up and I'm going in the opposite order as you, and I'll get to my, my winner in a minute. But Jackson Carmen, after trading back meant the Bengals passed on Christian Barmore, who is by far the best interior defensive lineman from last year's class. And maybe they still have an issue with left guard, but they have a very, very high quality interior defensive lineman. If they stay put, don't trade back with new England and just pick Christian Barmore, who's picked in their spot anyway. Or they could have picked any number of offensive linemen that could have been better. Sam Cosme, Walker Little, Creed Humphrey. There, there were better choices than Jackson Carmen, not to mention the off-the-field stuff that continues to hang over the Bengals to do with Jackson Carmen. So Jackson Carmen is my number two, although he could be good this year, at football at least, and then I will look really silly in a while. Uh, but to me, if you pick Creed Humphrey or Christian Barmore there, you have a player that's already very good and you're not wondering 
going into this year. But for me, unfortunately, the guy is John Ross, who I really wanted to work out and I really wanted to support. But the the easy argument is, and I know they were never tri- never drafting a quarterback that year, but if I'm going back in time and I can talk Duke Tobin into making one change, it's take Patrick Mahomes instead of John Ross. Take the franchise-altering quarterback earlier in 2017 instead of John Ross. And yes, you don't have Joe Burrow, but you have Patrick Mahomes and you have a very different trajectory for your franchise. And Patrick Mahomes, of course, has won a Super Bowl and been to two AFC championships in that time as well. So uh, that that one is is like kind of an easy call for me if I can tell the Bengals who to replace the player with just because of the the disparity between picking a John Ross versus pitch, picking a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you kind of cheated, but that's typical Jake fashion. How, how um, did I cheat? Because they... The, they were more likely to bring God in than a, a quarterback. So okay. they couldn't, they couldn't do that. Like um, they would have picked the, either the linebacker from Bama, OJ Howard. Yeah. But like I, I interpreted the question to be like, well, you know, if sure. you could change a pick. Sure. And, and so I got it. Um, taking shots at my guy, John Ross is more. I'm not taking shots. I, I, I would have ah. loved John Ross to have worked out. And I, I hate that he didn't. Anyways, uh, no, I get it though. He is he's on the bus list. He's not on the hit list. He's on the bus list. I just don't think he's as bad of a bust as some of the other ones. Um, the other one is way back in 2013, and I've talked about it a few times on this podcast. But the Bengals in 2013, they're setting up for this run after back-to-back playoff appearances, and Tyler Eifert falls in their lap, and then they get a running back because they needed a running back. Because let's be honest, the law firm Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, well, he started fumbling and wasn't a home run hitter. So they got Giovanni Bernard and I felt really good about both of those picks and guess who was staring at them in round two, Jake Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. And they took a guy who was good at track and field, Marcus hunt, a professional track and field star. Well, you know what I want? If I'm a football team, I want a football player, not a track and field star, not a guy who's good at shot putting. And uh, so this one, I still haven't gotten over. If you can't tell the honey badger would have been great in, in Cincinnati as they were trying to, to make that push. And instead they took Margus. I mean, can you imagine that draft? Their four, their first four picks could have been Tyler Eifert, Giovanni Bernard, Tyron Matthew and Sean Williams. Now, do they still take Sean Williams if they take Tyron Matthew? I don't know. Maybe. And, and that would have been through four really good picks. Instead, Marcus Hunt sticks out like a, a sore thumb or sore arm. I would shot pet, I shot put that pick into the sun, but I need another built bar or two first. Could have also been Travis Kelsey, Larry Warford. There are some other players that could have and also they were at- been. Really they good. were at Kelsey's pro day too. Yeah, they they took a long hard look. But after you're taking Eifert, which I get, I get why they took Eifert. You know, yeah, so. or, or Taron Armstead or Keenan Allen. I mean, there there were some really really good players picked at the top of the third round in 2013. But it gets hard in the in the second third round too. Just like it gets hard to say that oh yeah, they should have just taken Patrick Mahomes. Of course, hindsight is easy, really really easy. When it comes to the draft, but it's still fun sometimes to go back and talk about some of the things that could have changed the direction of the franchise. Tyron Matthew went 16 picks later, I believe, at 69 after the Bengals took Marcus Hunt at 53. 
That is the end of our trip back in time, James, to revisit <laughs> the Bengals draft demons. They've also made some really good picks in that time, of course. We Recently. A couple of them, and they seem to be back on track as far as drafting. We just need to avoid the woes that began 10 years ago in 2013. No, I was on board with those. No, I, I was on board with those picks. The the hits, the, I've been on board with yeah. prior too. So hopefully Dax I heard Hill Geo were very fun picks. They were. Maybe, maybe we'll be back to some fun picks next year. Not to say the defensive players aren't fun, but the falling tight end, tight end and Giovanni Bernard are the epitome of fun. Fun is fun. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Some interesting MVP odds to talk about over the weekend that we'll get into in addition to Joe Burrow's comments about taking sacks. That's coming your way next time on Lockdown Bengals. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 